0: Hey! What's up? This is Evan. And Michael. And this is Dungeon Talk, Episode 6. six. Alright, and away we go. We have... The first thing that I wanted to talk about was something that I've been thinking about for a long time. So, you've told me before that when you were in college, it that was... How how long before college did you start playing D&D? Or did you start in college?
1: As best I can remember, I started playing D&D in 7th grade. Okay. So I had 7th, 8th grade, 4 years of high school, and then college. And my freshman year in college, I really didn't play. I I was one year ahead of all my friends, mostly in high school. So when I was a sophomore in college, my my best friend, Brandon, who was also part of my original D&D group, came to college. We were on the same floor and that's really when I started playing D&D in college. So I've been playing D&D for six to seven years at that point.
0: All right, Michael, let's have a counseling session. Okay. All right. Because I, wa- I want to understand why those games were the best games to you that you've ever played. Because you've told me um, lots of times that just, you know, the best years of you playing D&D, because you played for a lot of years. You're like, you're 62 now, I think. <laughs> uh no, Michael's actually... 49. Yeah. Um, that the best games you've ever played were in college. And I can understand the atmosphere. Maybe you're, it's just because, you know, for a lot of people, the college years are just the best years of your life. And maybe it's just because, you know, you're, you're not at home anymore. You have all this new freedom. You can play as late as you want, as many days as you want. You know, you're. It's your schedule. You're not like quitting. You know, because your parents are like, your friends have been here for two days. They need to go need home. To go home, and they stink because they haven't showered. <laughs> right. But what my kind of question is 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 there things that we can take from those games and what made them so good and try to apply them to the games that we're playing now because we're. I'm really getting into it now, and it kind of sucks that I'm going to be moving away, possibly. But if I do end up staying, and we um, keep this group going and this game going, I really am excited about the idea of some really inventive games, inventive campaigns, doing different things. So I kind of want to get this take on what made your college years college year games so good and are there some things that we can apply to our new games our current games so that maybe we would play a game nowadays and you would think about it and be like that that game was so cool maybe I might rank it up there with uh with the games that I used Those to games. play in college
1: and you would like at the end of our last session you had kind of asked me about that just kind of at the end of the night we're on the way out and you just kind of mentioned it so I, I've done some, some thinking about this. It's been in the back of my head for That's a That's why you had a headache when you came here. Probably. Over. I did have a headache when I got here. Uh, but I've been kind of thinking about it, it. And I'm not sure that I can separate the D&D experience from just that point in my life. And like you said, you know, I was in college. My best friend in the world lived like right across the hall from me. I, I lived on a, on a single or on a floor in my college. We all had private rooms. So there's like 16 rooms, and instead of having 32 people, I think there were actually 16 of us. We all knew each other. We all got along. We all didn't play D&D together, but a lot of the negatives that comes with living in a dorm, I had none of that. It was just like the greatest thing That sounds in the world. really
0: lucky. Like It, it was amazing.
1: Awesome. And on top of that, the RA on my floor was just like one of the coolest the guys. The hottest girl I wish. Ever. No, it was a dude. Uh, and not the hottest dude ever either, but, but he was just like really laid back. As long oh, I love
0: to play D&D.
1: <laughs> so as long as we weren't doing like just crazy stuff, he left us alone. So it was just like a very cool experience. We played D&D probably two, three, sometimes four nights a week. We'd play on the weekends, all these like all-day Saturday sessions. And I had a, a core group of like four or five people that we played with. And this is something you and I talked about before. Sometimes it's not as much about the game as it is about who you're playing it with. And these were people that were very close to me. We were really good friends, and we're playing D&D together. Where now that I'm older, most of the time I play D&D, it's one or two people who are friends, and one or two people that are just people that I know or or have invited over.
0: So as you make a strong point, I'm going to write it down and see what we end up with at the end of this. Okay.
1: Uh, So that's part of it is, I think, just that environment. The other thing that I've kind of come up with is, and this is going to sound stupid. I don't know how else to say it. Everything was still new at that point. Like, when I first started playing D&D, I can think back to some of the first games that I ran, and they are terrible. I mean, laughably bad. But when you're 12 years old, that's kind of what you come up with. And this is kind of getting... Laughably
0: bad to you now.
1: Yes. But then... They were cool. Yeah. Uh, but I, one in particular, and I don't want to dwell on it too much, but there was a, there was a particular... Uh, game I ran where I wanted the characters to fight a dragon because it's it's Dungeons and Dragons you know you, at some point you have to have a dragon, so I created this town that had been attacked by dragons because I had read The Hobbit recently that's pretty much where that came from, and I wanted them to go and fight the dragon so I set up the game they outrolled their characters and I said okay you're on your way to fight the dragon and they're like why the fuck would we do that we're first level characters we we can't fight a dragon that's dumb, and I'm being a, a DM you know 12 13 years old I. I don't know because I said so. And so they show up to the town and they're like, okay, we're not doing this. We want to leave. And I'm like, well, to the south, there's this great ocean and there's no ship. So you can't go that way. Well, we want to go east. There's a swamp that everyone who goes there dies. And basically every time they decided to go somewhere, I put some ridiculous obstacle. And of course, Joe, my friend, Joe Welch, if you knew him, he explain. He goes, well, how the fuck did we get here if you can't leave? <laughs> and I just sat back like, I don't know, dude. I wrote this adventure. You got to fight the dragon. I got nothing else. He's like, okay, let's go fight the dragon. And that's the type of adventure. So that did you-
0: they all get slaughtered? Yes,
1: they all died. <laughs> so this that's the type of adventure you write when you're 12 years old. Right. Is You you, wanna, you want them to fight a dragon but it doesn't make a lot of sense. But as you get older and when you get into college, and again, I mentioned before, I want to be a writer. So I've taken, you know, creative writing courses and I've gone to some seminars and stuff. And I consider myself a decent storyteller. I matured a lot in creating stories and they got a lot more interesting, but to the players, they were all new. And I think that's part about being a DM as long as I have in the books I've read, the movies I've read is almost anything I come up with. It's it's something similar to something else, and even sure. if it's the most creative thing I've ever thought of, I, I may completely create it in a vacuum. You're still
0: drawing elements from for, other from stories that you've read right. or movies that you've seen. So, which, yeah. but for you, you've I've you've read so many books and seen so many movies that probably you are able to come up with put. Different pieces together and create a story so, that nobody's going to be like. You know what? This is just like so I know
1: that it's a it's pieces and parts of different things. But there are sometimes I think where even I won't say it's cliche, but it's still familiar. And back in college, it wasn't. It was new to everybody. Every time I came up with any storyline, they had not because most of my friends weren't necessarily into the fantasy genre. They didn't read a lot of the books, even though I did back then. So if I came, I could basically have. Had them go through a book that I had read. None yeah. of them would have known anything about it. I look like a genius, and I'm like, "Thank you, you know, Conan writer, uh, or whatever his name is, Roberts." So I just think them being so naive to D and D, it was like I got to experience the joy through them. And I know and this is a stupid part. It's like having a kid when you see them do something cool for the well, first time. I don't think time. that's
0: stupid at all because that's, I mean, the enjoyment out of being a DM. Because as a DM, you're not really creating. I, at least I don't feel like I'm attached to the NPCs that I've made up, you know. So I don't feel like I'm creating these characters. My enjoy, my whole enjoyment out of the DM is just sitting there watching you guys, seeing what you're going to do and hoping that you're liking the story and hoping that I get to see some cool reactions from you guys that lets me know that the story is good and the game was right. good. That, you know. So I so, don't think that that's So
1: that's one of the big parts for me and that's kind of where like, you know, recently I've dropped out of one of my games and we've kind of gone more into the one that we're playing on Mondays. And part of that is because of the group dynamic. And as I said before, nothing against the guys that played on Thursday. I like all of them. But they're more experienced players. They've done it a lot. And a lot of times when they play, it's more focused on winning, where you guys are just having fun with the game. And it's just more fun for me as a DM to provide that to you. And what I'm trying to do right now as a DM is I'm basically just trying to create a world. I'm really trying not to create a much of a story. And this is something you and I talked about before we started recording, uh, about you know whether or not I want to see my story progress or or, or how, how that works. My goal is just to create a sandbox of stuff that's going on. And you know I may say there's a there's a war happening over here. And if you decide to go in that direction to investigate it, great. I'll I'll make up stuff as you get there. But you don't have to. It's not like the dragon. If you decide yeah. that you're going to go west, I'm not going to put an impassable desert. I'll put something else there, and I think that's one of the key things about the game right now that I really like. But but at, at the heart, what I would say is probably what what happened most is those guys got really invested in their characters, and I'm not talking about dressing up and going out and hiding in the you know the the sewers of the campus we lived on. But they all had really unique pers- – it's a Mazes of Monsters reference. Tom Hanks went crazy in a movie, and people thought D&D was evil. Anyway.
0: What? Mazes of it, Monsters? It's called Mazes of Monsters. Is
1: that Yes. Tom Hanks starred in it. It's a and d uh, an- analogy. And he went crazy because he was playing it. He thought it was real. And he went and hid out in the sewers. and like. It, Is a- it a comedy? No. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, it's not? No. It, 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 it's, it's Tom Hanks? Yes. It's like a drama. Is it from the 80s? have to be early 80s. It was right along the same right. times when people thought D&D was evil. Mm-hmm. And, of course, this movie came out, so everybody who watched it reinforced the belief that D&D drove their kids crazy. So it was, it was a terrible moment for the genre. But anyway, I digress. But they really were invested in these characters. Again, I'm not talking crazy invested, but it got to the point where – I'm, I'm going in circles here, but I've talked to before about the, the movies that I like and the stories that I like are all about the characters. So you get to the point where you could take a character – And I could think of a situation outside of the story they're in. And I think I know how they would react. Like, Mm -hmm. I think I know how this character would react to this situation because I've just not got to know that character so well. That's how I felt about those characters. I I got to the point where I felt like I know how they're going to react when I do this. So that I can plan for it and I can make it interesting. And I can I can give them their moments.
0: Were they so? I was kind of thinking like, were they so invested into the, some of their characters that they all wanted to just keep playing those characters and not make do new ones? They yes, want we, to keep playing in the same world, kind of. We tried to just play in, as
1: long as we could in the same story. And, and I've always been a forgiving DM. I don't like to kill characters. Uh, you know, we've said it before. Now, if they do something stupid like touch a. Orb of Annihilation, that's, that's what happens, or if they jump off a cliff. But just <laughs> but just a random die roll. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Like... Yeah. So just a random die roll, random monster. I try not to kill. So it was, okay. it was possible for us to, to develop these characters for a long time. And it was just, again, I don't know if I can separate it completely from college, but that was the big thing, is I created a world that they got to play in. They were exploring that world. They were just having fun with what was going on. They weren't too worried about a plot. They were actually borderline evil. It was one of the few games I played where they weren't heroes, because I learned that early on. If I'm like, "Oh, there's a princess captured," I don't care what's in it for me. So it kind of it kind of forced me to stop writing. But with
0: that group, did it? it, were they? It didn't cause complications or conflicts within the group.
1: No, because they were pretty much all morally ambiguous.
0: They were all on the same page with each other.
1: And again, not necessarily evil, but they were very uh, selfish. You know, like, they're not altruistic at all. If I put a situation where, like, again, the princess is captured by the dragon, their question is, well, what's in it for me? What's the reward? And they are just as likely to take the reward and then leave and not go anyways because that's what they thought they should do. Like, they were trying to play it, again, realistically. If they were, like, mercenaries that really lived in this world, that's a more realistic viewpoint on life is, I'm going to get as much as I can for myself and, in some ways, it's easier to write an adventure like that because I'm not constrained to do good, do good, do good. I'm like, this is what's going on. What do you guys want to do about it and there there were situations where they would try to play two sides against each other. you know it just again, they really got into that and and I've told you the story before there's one particular moment that just stands out to me. It's like the epitome of d and d s for me. I don't know how I was to say it there was a there was a moment that you couldn't have scripted any better and it was just a very natural reaction that happened between two players which my best friend Brandon I feel kind of weird saying best friend when you're 30 something years old but he's still my closest childhood friend and then a guy I played D&D with when we went to college James and there was a situation where and I always do this a lot of my games have time travel involved in there somewhere and even the game we're playing now that you might notice there was a an element of time travel and They're going through this land that doesn't believe in magic. They believe that all magic is like evil, and if you're a magical practitioner, they will basically kill you on the spot. Divine magic's okay. Anything else is evil. And they're going through this. It's like a wide open wilderness, and they come upon this human, which is basically a transported cop from current 20th century. Language barrier. He has a gun. They're able to subdue him with their magics, uh, and combat abilities, whatever, and. When they get to the next town, they kind of turned him in because they couldn't understand where they thought he was just a crazy guy. So they turned him into the local authority. And at some point, they came back and they showed the characters his wallet. And they're like, this man's a sorcerer. See, he has captured the souls of people, you know, like the pictures in his wallet. And so the NPC asked the players, they said, is this man a wizard? And on 100% cue, James said yes. Brandon said no. Like, Yes, no. And they stopped, looked at each other, and then they switched their answers. And James said no, and Brandon said yes. And they looked at me, and they just went, we attack! <laughs> and it was just like, oh, my God. I mean, it was like the greatest moment in D&D ever. It was just so funny, so perfectly done, completely natural. And it was just like a great scene that I, I remember it to this day as vividly as anything else. So that's the kind of moment I'm trying to recreate in all my games where I just I give you guys a playground I want you to be invested in your characters, and I want you to do what your characters would do, not necessarily what heroes would do. Though I do hope your characters are heroic in nature.
0: Well, what if they're – I mean, like, we ran into that instance um, with the cave in the last game that we were playing. And, like, I'm, I was still like, okay – uh, I don't know how to. I don't know if we, if I want to go into this because it's a whole another side topic. Right. But uh, basically, just like one of our characters had to go in this cave in order to keep the story, in order to get on track for the story. Right. But I'm. But my character is in the mindset of why would I go in that cave? N- nobody's going in that cave, <laughs> and if you are, you're stupid. Right. So it like. I understand. This is what I. The person that is in our game that did go into the cave is Nico. And what I'm thinking in my head is that, you know, Nico is doing it for story progression. He probably
1: is. He's been Mm -hmm. a DM. He knows that every now and then you don't necessarily say that's what you're doing, but you make decisions just to help the story move forward. So
0: that puts me on the other side of the page where it's like, okay, am I playing my character. Am I just being difficult for the DM or should we, be, should we be realistic and apprehensive to go in the cage or in the cave? Okay. And then maybe when we say, okay, we're not going in there, you know, would you be able to come up with something that would lure us in there then?
1: But the way that scene would have played out is if you had not gone into the cave, you just wouldn't went into the cave. I would not have created any sort of natural disaster, flash flood, you know, vast desert. You just would have skipped that portion of the story unless you would have came back later. Because the way it was set up, there was definitely something going on with that cave. And all those mutated animals that were attacking people were based out of that cave. And because you went into the cave and things that happened later, you were able to just kind of like turn them all off. If you hadn't done that, they would have continued, and there would have been more and more monsters and more and more animals. So I think at some point, the, the story itself would have said, okay, there's something in that cave causing this. Now we have to go into it. All right, well,
0: getting back to the original question, the games that you played in your dorm, you know, two or three days a week, um, were those games that you had created that you – Had written stories? Yes, I was almost 100%
1: of the time the DM uh, in those situations. My my friend Brandon, who is still one of the best DMs I've ever played with, he would only play one session. I I can't tell you how many times I have been frustrated. He would be like, hey, I got an idea for a, a, a game. And he would just create these just super crazy elaborate environments that were just awesome and then we would play one session, and then he would get bored and quit. You know, basically he would like, okay, you you did everything I thought, and then I'm just he's not interested in playing more. We must have done that half a dozen times in the you know fifteen twenty years I've known him now since we've been playing D and D together. And I, I don't know it. He's just he's a very creative person. He's an artist by, by trade. He's you know, he's a college professor, art teacher. So he's just very creative. He comes up with these great ideas, but he gets instantly bored one night and he's done. So most of the time I was the DM. And most of the time, I created my own own games, my own worlds. I've told you before, I I will buy modules, but almost all the thing I will use is the map and, like, the names of the NPCs. I I, I literally have, like, a mental block. I cannot draw a map that makes sense. If I do, it will always be perfectly symmetrical. I mean, you can look at it. It's just like I took a piece of paper, (laughs) folded it in half, and did a map on the half side. So I always have to go to the, now the internet or then to modules to get maps and the names of interesting places and people, but I always populate them with my own, my own stuff. But I did want to throw in one other thing because I do have a game in Cleveland because I've talked more, more about that than I have my college years. I played in Cleveland for several years with a group up there where we started the rotating DM thing. And we had a lot of really good games and there's a lot of games that I remember that I've ran, but the one in particular, like the, the moment that I go to, if I think about that group and and we talked about on the website, Rob and Rich and I were kind of commenting together, which all those got lost when we moved the website, uh, about burying the barbarian in the snow. Like that is just one of those things that anytime I think about D and D and I'm like in a good way, that's one of the first memories that I go to. But in that case, I was a player. It was in the groom, in the group that was rotating DMS, but this particular session, I was the player And I think the reason it was so memorable is it was just so interesting and crazy, but it worked. And I may have told you the story before, so I'll go through it quickly. But I don't even remember why now, but we were traveling through like a vast wilderness, but it was snowy plains, like an Antarctic type place. And we, we had figured out that we were being followed. And because it was such a plains, we were able to get, you know, we'd travel for a day and we'd use like a spyglass and we could look back and we would see, Someone at our past campsite. So pe- somebody was following us campsite to campsite and it was such a vast wilderness, you know, or I'm sorry, it's just a vast plain. There was really no place to hide. And we, we couldn't figure out how we were ever going to catch up. Cause we didn't know what this person was. We didn't know if they were trying to kill us or what. We just wanted to talk to them. So I had come up with the idea of burying the barbarian in the snow. So what we did is we set up our tent for the night and then we cut a hole in the bottom of the tent and we dug a trench And we buried our barbarian. And we were fifth, sixth level. He was really tough. I think he had magical resistance to cold. And then we had constructed a little framework uh, that kind of looked like a head and shoulders. And we took his cloak and put over top of it. And then I used one of my magic spells. So it looked like the next morning we all left. So from a distance, it would look like the same number of people, same height, left. So when that person came to our campsite that evening, he jumps out of the snow and confronts the guy or it turned out to be a girl who happened to have these ridiculously powerful poisons that killed him but it was still a great idea and so we we always talk about like whenever there's a plan like hey what are we going to do just invariably every time after that we'd say we could bury the barbarian in the snow like that was just like the go-to end joke you know in-game joke for us and i just i remember it so fondly so do
0: mem- really good memories like really good uh, memories of D&D are they mostly like, are they mostly funny things uh, that where you remember um, a crazy idea that you did or a funny idea that you did or a, or just an instance or, or a circumstance that just happened? And it was just really it was a funny thing.
1: Mostly it's funny because, you know, I talked about this before as well, but most of the enjoyment I got out of D&D is, is fun. hanging yeah. out, out with people in my basement saying this the silliest stuff, but it just cracks you up. You know, it's like going to a comedy show or to a funny movie. I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of that. But there are a few cool moments that stick out in my head. But but in the total, it's it's an organic experience, which is my new favorite D&D word, where it's not contrived. There's no way that the DM would have, in a million years, thought up that we were going to hide the barbarian in the snow and then use that little framework. to. I mean, but again, he allowed it to happen. He said yes. And it became a really cool moment if he had you know if he'd said no, it didn't work, I would not have remembered that at all. It would have been completely gone. So all the things that happened that to me that are really cool and really interesting and really memorable are where the characters kind of came real people, they came up with really creative solutions or they reacted in a very natural way to something that was happening, and that's just stuck out in my mind. If it was funny, then it kind of sticks out a little bit more so. I don't know that we, there was a point to that conversation, but what you were well, trying to get is The two how things we that could... I've
0: written down so far that, that I thought were really big points were that the group that you were playing with matters to how good the game is to you, maybe even more than the story does. I would agree with that. And the second thing was that the players were greatly invested into their characters and they wanted to keep playing the same characters and you felt like you as the DM you felt like you knew the characters right so those were the other two things those were the two main things that that I had written down and then the other thing that I was trying to get to but I don't we didn't really I didn't really make the point I wanted to but was The what the actual happenings were, what the actual memories were like. That when you think when you think of like, man, this is why those games were so much fun. Like, what are the memories that stick out, and are they are they memories of funny things, are they memories of battles, are they memories of people dying, characters dying, Um, are they beginning a campaign, or are they when like stories ended and something wrapped up. As like a, what were the big memories that that were just awesome moments for, for
1: battles? No, I right, right now I'm just trying to think back through my memory banks. I can't think of any one particular battle that I was all that interested in. You know, for and that's that's a Michael thing as I, a player, as a or player, a DM? as a player. I, I'm always always interested more in the story. Now battles are part of the story, but I can't really think of anything that I was just like, oh, that was a cool battle, or that was a cool you know, death or when I killed that character outside. Well, there's, I guess there's been a couple times. There was one story that uh, Brandon ran uh, for me for a while as, as a group. I mean, as a player, this one actually was more than one session, but not very many. And I had set up a, a background that I was wronged in some way. And I was like, they had this great vengeance. I was trying to get on somebody and I was able as my character to get that vengeance. And I was able to kill the person that I had decided I wanted to kill and so then I had my character commit suicide. Like, as soon as that person was dead, I just dropped to my knees and killed myself. Because that's, my character had lived for so long, that was his only goal. Once it was accomplished, he had he had nothing else to live for. And I, if I remember the story, like, my family was killed, I had no, no relatives, everything I ever knew or loved was dead. So, basically, I was like Kratos, um, or the, you know, the man in black, I guess, or Nico Montoya. I just, like, okay, I've finally killed this person I've been trying to kill my whole life. Uh, so I killed myself. So that was kind of memorable. <laughs> That's
0: not the memory I was expecting <laughs> to hear. Well, it's when I committed suicide.
1: But, but again, it's, it's a, it was a very natural moment for that character because like, I had built up how much that was all... The only thing that drove him was vengeance, was getting revenge, and he finally got it. He had nothing left to live for. Now, if someone had handed me a puppy... At that same moment, and maybe I might have been like, oh, and then, you know, I I could have lived for the puppy or or something else had happened in game to give me another reason to live, but nothing had.
0: Is there a story that you played in as a player that's a really memorable story, something that somebody else came came up with, and you were playing it as a player, and while you were playing the game and learning the story, you were thinking, this is really cool, this story is really cool.
1: Nothing's coming to mind right because now
0: because nobody's as good as you are. What? Come
1: with storytelling, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I writing. To,
0: but I d- I've said before, I, I want to be a writer. Right. Kind of,
1: you know. Well, no, but I want. I've dm so much and I've played so little that it's it's kind of hard for me just on the fly to think about the games I've played versus the games I've ran. Uh, there's a couple that come to mind. Brandon ran the one. I played a character named Bane. And I think that was actually the one where I killed myself. And we, made, we we played a made up character class, which was based on the Jedi. We didn't use psionics psionics as they were written in the D anD D because I didn't like those rules. Uh, so we kind of made up our own version. They were called I think it's called a kenju, which was sounds a lot like Jedi. Yeah. So I, so basically, I was a Jedi Knight. Um. And he also he I, it was it wasn't a rule we made it up, but basically I put so many points into blind fighting that I fought better when blindfolded than when I could see, which was based off a G.I. GI Joe cartoon. It was a character that did that. Uh, so when I went into battle, I would blindfold myself. And then I was like a badass, but if I had my eyes open, I was only okay. So I remember that pretty well. Um, and then I'm trying to remember. And then the, the rotating DM that we played up in Cleveland, I mean, that's that campaign went on. Because c- the way that we had done the rotating campaign thing is we were part of like a mercenary brotherhood of do-gooders which was very convenient. That way, if someone died, they were just another member. You know, it's like the Justice League or something. You know, if you go into in Green Arrow Falls, the next week you just now have Black Canary with you or whatever. So it was just a very convenient way for us to play a game, and if someone died, they just brought another character in. So the character's is a little bit more interchangeable. It worked great for the game, but I don't have as many memorable characters from it because, you know, they were more interchangeable. I did have one that died from a pizza golem i remember that i had a, a pizza golem a, pizza golem we uh we were playing in a game and I was playing a, a wizard or I, I remember, it was a sorcerer named skylar and it was a it was like a pre-made adventure i actually can remember it i don't know the specifics but it was a it was supposed to be like a little funny intro game and there was like a chef who was also kind of like a wizard and somehow he, bork, 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 bork. he, he created a golem that was made of Dough and cheese and, and like sauce. (laughs) And we went to fight it. And being a wizard and sorcerer, I was supposed to stay away, but I was trying to be the hero. So I jumped down in there to help and I got killed by the pizza golem. (laughs) So it,
0: well, I wanted to wrap up that topic and go to something else. But, um, the next thing that I want to go to, how much time do we have?
1: About 10, 15 minutes.
0: All right. Well, the next thing that I wanted to go to was, um, What you wanted to talk about, you said that you had like a happenstance or something from the last game. Is that a word?
1: Happenstance? I think so. Okay. I don't know that you're using it correctly, but Mm -hmm. it is a real word.
0: Right. Okay. Okay. I was trying to think of a different word that I could use in that, but but, so you had an instance or you had something that happened in the last game that you wanted to talk about. Mine was from two games ago with the spider, but you said that there was something with this
1: last game. Well, I want to talk about that one more in in general. Um, And and funny story, we, we talked for like half an hour before we realized we weren't recording a minute ago. So we had a really good discussion about something that had happened in my game two weeks ago And there was just one thing I wanted to kind of add on to that. So we we don't need to go back at some point and explain the whole story. But at the end of the day, I had said yes. I allowed you to do something kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. It worked out, and it was very memorable. And you as a player and you as a character had a moment that for you was very memorable. It was very cool, and you liked it.
0: Even when I was sitting there at the table um, and we were taking our turns and it was happening, I had a couple moments where I felt like as a DM you might have made some decisions that helped me out. that may you might have moved this uh npc here and moved this npc over here that helped my plan a little bit right um but you said that you really didn't do that but my point was just that like if you did like i didn't care it was so cool and i was almost happy i was like i want I, i was thinking like thank you like thank you for do for helping me I because it, it didn't feel like um,
1: like pity like I was just no
0: yeah, yeah and I assume that well any battle that we come to I'm assuming I'm assuming that we're supposed to win I don't think there's any unless battle you in screw D&D up you are where supposed to you're win. supposed to lose you know right so so the fact that you know we did win and we were able to do it. In the way that I wanted to, which was this big scene where I crashed a horse and wagon into the into the spider Giant
1: mutated spider.
0: Um, I was just so happy that that happened, that even if you did help me, I was like, I don't care. And so yeah. it was just kind of the thing that I wanted to was thinking of what made me think of is, you know, as a DM, you can you don't have to feel like you can't intervene in a good way you know you don't have to because i think that especially in a in a case like that your players will really it'll make them even more eager to come back and play with you like you as a dm even more if they see that you know that you're there to tell the story for them and you're you know you're running the opposing forces but you're there to help them too it it just it was a good feeling well, and
1: at the end of the day the, the short version of that long story that we had is my job as a dm in my mind is to say yes as often as possible because i want to encourage you to do things like that because for me as a dm watching you guys play in my world to play in my sandbox that's fun for me if the fun for me was just to kill you as characters. You could do that. Yeah. 10 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Here's a creature. You can't help the win. Let's roll initiative. Ha ha. I win. So I want you to try to win, but I want you to, I want you to do it in a more interesting way. I don't want you to necessarily play always the most tactically sound. And that's part of the way I, I do stories is it's fun for me to see what you do. So I had said yes. in a couple moments to help you try something, but I didn't necessarily say yes to help you succeed you know, I still made you roll some die to see if it would work or how effective it would work. You still screwed up one die roll, so you ended up underneath the wagon that was on fire, and you almost died from that. Like they had to run over and save you. And
0: I, and uh, then you know, my buddy pulled me from the burning wagon, and now he has like scars on his hands that are, have the imprint of my armor on him. Right. And I think that that's really awesome. There's a there's there's something there's like a, a permanent takeaway or a
1: permanent there there are consequences yeah you know in that case it's not necessarily terrible but i mean in game i had it affect him for a while when he shoots a bow it was just more difficult because even after he got healing i said the scars were still there uh you know just to kind of again make it more narrative and more cool so the thing that i want to talk about is is one i'm glad that that worked out well i'm glad that you had fun i'm glad it was a moment because we talked about in a previous podcast that the moment i wanted to have is alexander in your game with shooting the bag out of the air. Like I was trying to create that moment for myself and it never quite worked out, but I don't fault. Like, I don't think you should say it worked.
0: Okay. I was going to say, was there ever a point where you were um, shaking your fist at me under the table and saying to yourself, please just let this work.
1: No, no, no. I, cause it, cause if it's too much given, then I think it does take away. But like a good example would be, I've been trying to shoot those because we're way off topics, but like I've been trying to shoot those bags for like four games, you know, like every game we've been in. So if at some point during this next game, there happens to be like one guy who's carrying like a backpack full of them somewhere, that might still be my moment. You're like, you're not letting me do it, but you're just like, there it is. Take it. And if I screw up the roll, I screw up the roll. But if I finally hit and there's like a little mini. And you were
0: rolling terrible. 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 The, the, those games. But if
1: there's like a little mini mushroom cloud that pops up after I shoot this guy who's got 30 of them, that still would be really cool for me. But what I wanted to say about that moment is I felt like I did it poorly in describing it. Because after the game, I was like, that could have been so epic. And I didn't really describe it very well. I just kind of said, hey, you hit the guys you're I dead. I don't want to be mean,
0: but I agree with you. Well, yeah, absolutely. I, I just, uh, I even, like, I rolled my dice I knew that it was gonna happen. I was getting excited. I saw it in my head on the table. I saw it happening. And then and then, you know, you're the DM. You're telling the story. So once I rolled my dice,
1: it was up to me. It's
0: up to you. So right. I my hands are on the table, my eyes are wide, they're big, and I'm <laughs> looking at you and you're and you're just kinda you're like, okay. It hit the spider, so it's hit dead. the spider and it's dead. Yes. And I was and I even threw I was trying to throw in, I was like and it was on fire. <laughs> don't forget to mention the fire. the fire. And you're like, oh, yeah, 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 it was on fire. So, But I kind of, uh, there, there's something there that is kind of weird. And I don't know, maybe it's, just, I, I think that maybe there's a, it's a mannerism of yours or something like that, because you don't like to, I don't know if you think that, um, a lot of things I think translate into time wasted I think
1: it slows down the game
0: okay I think I see that and I think I see that in a lot of things actually I think I see that in the podcast all the time when we're recording you'll always I'll always be thinking well why don't you elaborate more on that let's just like if we spend the next five minutes just bullshitting back and forth about this weird thing, it still might be funny or it still might be good. But you always, um, bring up something by saying, no, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I just, or just real quickly, just real quickly. And I'm, and I'm thinking like, well, who cares? Just talk for as long as you want. (laughs) Right. And then translated to the game, I think that you kind of, um, for some reason that's just a way of thinking that you have and um translated to the game there's definitely times where uh you would want to speed it up and do things in a timely fashion and and stuff like that um i wish that your mindset would be like that when you when we're when my group is like well well we should go do this or we should go do this and and you're and you're just like arms behind your head sit back in the chair and just wa- and just watch right. and it'll go on forever right. and ever and And ever. The, and
1: that's something we talked about before and this last time I did do that at some point like it had gone on while I thought it was too long and I kind of leaned back forward and said okay you got three options that you've talked about I did I did try to spur that a little mm-hmm. bit but yeah. but at the same time, I, d- I don't want to do that too often because I do want you guys to come up. Because you may come up with something like a third option. Someone else may say, why don't we do this? And that'd be yeah. the cool thing. So I don't want to step in too early.
0: And I don't necessarily – I don't want you to cater your DMing style to just me because it's what I like. Because I don't – maybe – I don't know what the other players around the table like. Right. But um, I, I really, really like the cinematic – storytelling the really deep i mean when when there's a something big happening like take a take a a minute you know what's 60 seconds out of the game it's seriously nothing if we if i sat here for 60 seconds and tried to describe something i could get a whole lot out 60 seconds is a long time but in the scheme of three and a half hours what's 60 seconds it's nothing and that's
1: something i'm working on and I, i think i've told you before listening to other podcasts Has helped me, which is one of the reasons why I want to start recording ours, because it is a very valuable tool for me to listen to other people as DMs and and take things like, wow, that's great. I love the way that person did that. And the other things that they do like, okay, I didn't, I didn't care for that. I don't think that was the right choice. It's helping me try to become a better DM. And one of the other things with that is like when I draw maps for one, I can't draw and I will openly admit I'm terrible. But I also rush through them. Like they're still not as good as they could be.
0: That's the way. Like when you, whenever you start to draw something before your marker hits the table, you'll you'll say, "Now I'm not a good drawer." And yes. I think that that's. I think that that's just. I think that it's another time wasting thing. You're like, I don't want to take all this time to sit here and try to draw right. out something real detailed. That's exactly. I would it. rather so. I'm going to pre preface this by saying, now I can't draw so that I can, so go I can just go now. See, I told you I can't draw. That's so now exa- don't ask me to draw anymore because it's a time waster. That, that's
1: exactly right. Okay. Well, and it comes even to the battles. Like this is with my other group. Cause Nico brought it up is I always felt like when I stopped the game, like, okay, roll for initiative. When I say roll for initiative, that should be a moment. Like, Oh, we're going to in combat. Everybody's getting their character sheets and they're all excited and then 15 minutes later, I've got the map drawn. I feel like I've, I've destroyed that energy and momentum. I don't use pre-made maps, mostly because I've built myself a big freaking table and I want to use it. So I feel like the, if I take the time to draw out a really detailed map, it's just it's killing the momentum. Well,
0: you do have a good point there because that's something that I've thought about before. When you get ready to start a fight, there's usually something happening in the game Where um, tension has slowly progressed before any kind of fight. Okay, so maybe we're walking through the woods. Everybody's kind of relaxed, but we're kind of being attentive, you know. And then we see something up ahead that doesn't look right. Okay, now we're on alert. Right. Tension is going up a little bit. And then we get there, and then we see somebody we recognize, and we're like, oh, that's a bad guy. Now now the tension is even more. Then – Maybe we kind of engage in this verbal. Maybe we're talking back and forth, and we don't know what's going to happen. Like that scenario with um, the, la- the spider lady in the town. Right. A couple people were talking. A couple people were standing back. I was hiding. Nobody knows what's going on. People are sending signals to each other, but they right. don't even know what's going on. There's this really high tension. And around the – it's a really cool moment. It's, that is a really cool moment in the game before the fight where the tension is building is like we, we don't know what's going to happen and then all of a sudden when the DM says, okay, roll for initiative, it's kind of like a timeout like all that tension there's this there's this uh, block of maybe two minutes or five minutes or 10 minutes where okay now everybody's looking at their spells now the DM is drawing something on right. the table. And it just takes away all that tension. I wish there was some better mechanic to the game of get st- of starting combat where that tension, it just flowed right into the first dice roll. That tension of, that building tension of starting right. the fight and, then, and, and well, then when the fight starts, it's just
1: start rolling dice and we're fighting. And, and well, that particular moment, I think I've told you before, I didn't want to use the grid. Like when I envisioned that fight... In my head, it was going to be gridless because I wanted to keep that kind of creepy factor because I knew it would be a creepy scene. And I think it was you. You asked me to draw it just for, you know, trying to figure out where things were. And since I had already drawn the map, we kind of used it. But I wanted to just do that right of the way where it's all really creepy. And then the creature would just attack somebody and then it would just be like okay roll attack and, and, and I asked
0: even- you I I asked for that time out because like I was trying in my head I was trying to get my character into this strategic position right. and I and I you wasn't picturing like it. wasn't picturing the scene I wasn't picturing where where how the buildings were so we're actually probably we're starting to crack open a really good thing here between your dming and us playing where um if you got over that uh that feeling of like I need to rush this along because I don't, because um because I don't want this to drag out and be boring and take time away from the game or whatever, um if you put that aside and and just spent good time like detailing verbally to everybody, because what, because you I think you notice that when you're doing it, you have everybody's full attention. When you start going into a lot of detail about something like the spider, mm-hmm. you have everybody's attention. It's not like you're talking and describing something, and, and that's when we and we start doing other stuff. You have our attention, and we're listening intently. If you went on for the next couple of minutes, we're still like you're still with me, yeah.
1: And that that is something that I'm working on to try to do a better job, because I, again, going back to that, that first Spider Woman fight. I think if, if I had done a better job describing the scenery, you wouldn't have asked for the map, and it would have worked out. But
0: I just think you're afraid to take too much time. I am.
1: I'm afraid of taking time. I'm afraid of slowing the game down. So with the battle maps, I rush through them, and they look crappy. And when it gets to certain scenes like that, and I've caught myself a couple times, and I've tried to go back right away, but that was a scene, just like I said, after the game, I went. I thought back about the game. I was re-visualizing, it. I'm like, that was a great moment, and I really undersold it. I totally could have done a much better job. So one technique I want to try, and this is from one of the podcasts that I'm listening to, is when there's a moment like that, or mostly when there's like a critical hit, the DM says to the player, what does that look like? And they let the player describe it. That would be great. So that would have been awesome, because like when it, as soon as it, I realized it would have worked, I could have been like, what do you see happening Cause it's not going to affect anything unless you just like get crazy. Like oh, all of a sudden I'm Superman. And I fly over the wall and I sh- I'm going to have to stop you there. But if you're just in your head, you saw that so well, if I would just let you describe it, it probably wouldn't would have been described better. And two, it probably would have been even more memorable for you and the other players because it's kind of like a well, reward. There, the I-
0: player is, it, it is kind of like a reward and the player is the one who's most excited about what they're doing and so they have the most visual picture of what's happening in their head for their player so that that is is a really good idea so i'm going
1: to try to start doing that and so you can help me with that sometimes especially like if you roll a natural 20 or it's a, just a really cool moment just start telling me what it looks like and if i think you're stepping on my toes narratively i'll i'll stop you but for the most part i'm just going to be like Oh, that's cool. you know, like, I'm going to well, get some enjoyment. Well, I grew six feet <laughs> yeah. and I leveled. <laughs> so yeah. So I think that's something that we need to work on it because because I knew I undersold it. The same thing happened with Nico, and I told him the same thing. I think well, actually, I might have mentioned this to you. He cast a spell. It was like a charm person, and there was a, there was just a whole bunch of stuff going on at the same time. And so I rolled my save. I passed. I looked at Nico, said it doesn't work, and then I was just on to the next person, where well, that could have been a total. You know, his mind looked foggy. You know, his eyes rolled back. He, he took a step back, but he was able to clear his head and then come forward and with more resolve. That's a lot cooler scene than click, so click, click, failed, and move on. Do you think
0: when you sit down at a game, do you think that you're, from the start of the game, you're thinking, I really, like, I have the, this, 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 and this that I want to get through tonight. I really hope we have enough time to get through all these things. That's part of
1: it. Part of me is, is I always want to get to, uh, I want to I end on a high note. So a lot of times I want to try to make sure that we get to that dun-dun-dun moment or right at the beginning of a battle. So if if something's kind of taken slow, I think, well, i got to get through this battle so I can get to the next one. So that's part of it. Um, The other part, and this is a a, a personality thing about myself, and I I jokingly refer to myself as mumbles on the website because I do talk fast. I do have an accent. I do mumble on occasion, that I'm aware of that. And, you know, I, with my job, as you know what I do, I do a lot of training. So I'm hypersensitive to the fact that when I'm talking in groups, that I talk fast, that I have an accent and then I mumble. So the way that I compensate for that is I practice in my head a lot. Like I will literally in my head go through an entire hour's worth of content. And if I'm going to teach a class tomorrow, I will pre-do that in my head a couple times. And almost word for word, what I'm going to say, the jokes that I'm going to say, the tone of my voice. And I basically script it in my head and practice it to the point that I, I'm almost repeating it rather than saying it. I do the same thing with our games in certain segments, like the, the description of the spider. I'd gone through that three or four times in my head and I did a really good job with it. I did not practice the snakes at all. So when I got to that, I was like, oh, there's some snakes there. And it wasn't necessarily that I, I tried to stay away from it. I just, I wasn't thinking about it. I wasn't prepared to give that speech. So I was trying to think of it on the fly. Didn't want to take too much time. So it was all these combinations together where, like you said, I just need to slow down and enjoy those moments. Cause those could be the best moments, not just something to rush through to get to the next thing.
0: I don't, yeah. And I think to wrap it up, like, I don't think that there is a specific moment that we need to get to in each game in order for, uh, like, We play for almost four hours. Enough cool things happen in the four hours that we don't need to end on a cliffhanger every night in order to keep us wanting to come back. We want to come back every game. Like, this is a really cool game for me. Um, I like it better than any of the other... The couple that I played with you when you were DMing before. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, my thing would just be to just slow down and let you know when you get to that situation like the snakes if you were to point at somebody across the T you could even do that you could you know let somebody else describe it what do you see in your head what do you see in your head what do you see in your head but if you just you know stu- if you weren't so worried about getting to the next thing and the next thing and getting through this story and Probably half of it is that, I'm assuming, and I'm assuming the other half is is th- that you're worried about keeping people engaged and getting bored. So you think that if you move things quickly, that will keep people interested because new things are coming. And, then, and I would probably say that that's probably w- the speed at which it's going probably doesn't have anything to do with how interested we are. What what it has to do with most is the content that's happening. Is the story interesting? Are we re- Is, is it dis- Are you really? Dis- are we really picturing what's going on? Right. Are we into it? it uh, the speed doesn't have really right. anything and, to do with it. And that's
1: one of those psychological things that you can't necessarily make sense of. Because I've said time and time again, my favorite movies are slow, character-driven movies where yeah. not a lot happens, but you really get to know a character. But I don't DM that way. I DM like Michael Bay, where yeah. if there's not an explosion, I think I'm losing people. Yeah. And it's just a conflict. And part of it goes to, like, when I do play, I do get bored. Part of it's because I have undiagnosed ADHD. So I'm always just, you know, looking for something to do. And I guess I'm, I'm trying to DM to my play style. Got to keep stuff happening. Got to keep people interested. Don't want to slow down on anything. And I've just got to learn. And I, I've, I've gotten better already. And I think I will continue to get better. And that's why, again, I ask for feedback after every game. I'm not just looking for an ego boost, though I do appreciate it, but I am looking for solid criticisms. Like, that moment was great. Here's why it was great. This moment, you didn't do so well, and here's why you didn't do so well. Because I do internalize that. Again, trying to be a writer, if I couldn't take criticism, it wouldn't work. Being married, if I can't take criticism, it won't work. So anytime I get feedback, positive or critical, I always internalize it. I try to figure out if I can apply it. And in some cases I just don't, you know, not all feedback is correct. Someone may say, I really think you should do this. And I am like, no, I'm just not going to do that. But I still will listen to them. I'll internalize it and then decide that I'm not just going to shut off and say, no, you're wrong. But I may, after some, you know, extrapolation and an inside in my head, then decide they're wrong. That's just the kind of the way it works. So unfortunately I got this to go. Uh, so we're going to have to wrap wrap things up. There's still a bunch of other stuff I wanted to get to. So we'll... There was a
0: couple things that we'll um, talk about next week. I wanted But I thought show. that that was pretty good, especially the last half. That was
1: some good stuff. Um, definitely want to try to get – maybe we can even do another podcast this week because we, we, it took a while. So. I should be fine, yeah. So we'll try to figure that out. So thanks for listening. Uh please visit the website. Please go to iTunes. Leave. Comment
0: on Michael's um accent and
1: <laughs> yeah. mumbling. Basically tell me that I should stop speaking in public and that if if I ever taught you a class you would make fun of me. But go to iTunes, leave us some reviews. Obviously, positive feedback makes us feel good. Critical feedback makes us better at this. Uh the more reviews we get on iTunes, the more um feedback ratings it's going to drive us to the top of the page. We'll get more listeners. So if you listen to the podcast and if you like it, Please leave us some feedback. If you listen to the podcast and you hate it, go listen to something else. All right. Well, this has been fun. Uh,
0: See you later. Yep.